Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, coming to you on Monday, December 20th. With episode 429, uh, I'm your host, Elisa Deratola, and you might notice that my co-host, Michael Castillo, is not with me. Um, yeah, it, it, we, uh, <laughs> we are the unluckiest uh, human beings in the world uh, this year when it comes to being ill. Uh, both of us are ill again. Uh, both of us happen to have COVID again. Um, so that's fun. Uh, but still, as always, get your vaccination because this is much, much better than the last time around. And uh, trust me, you don't want to go through that without some uh, some protection beforehand. And uh, I'm not happy to be going through it now, but at least it's not as bad as it was when we had it last year. So, you know, you live, you learn. I'm still able to uh, to come on here and record a podcast, which is fun. Uh, Michael is uh, is just not up for it at the moment. Um Really, he just he he his voice is 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 not great <laughs> at the moment. So we're just gonna gonna chug along here with me. Uh, as always, you guys know where to find us. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on uh, Stitcher and TuneIn and and uh, Omni Studio and and everywhere you can find your podcast. Uh, our email address is rainoftroy at fansided dot com. Our phone number is two one three three seven three one eight USC. It's like a West Bruin show. Um, and, uh, we're always looking for you guys to send us in emails to send us in uh, voicemails, questions or comments, or just rants and raves for the show that we will play on the show if you call in. Um, and, uh, and yeah, let's just, you know, let's get into it because there is still stuff happening around USC and it's kind of a weird time to be living in the USC bubble because, for a long time, for not just the past, you know, six years or so with Clay Hilton, but even the the decade before that, um, feeling like the, uh, 
program, like the athletic department was not very well run on USC's part. And that that always seemed to get in the way of of USC's success because there was always something. There was always some circus that was going on. Like even the best year that USC has had uh, since before uh, Pete Carroll, since basically Pete Carroll left, the Lane Kiffin 2011, you know, there was still chaotic things going on that season. There was chaos in 2012 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, 18, 19, 20. Even the good years, there was just, it was just hard to, get a handle on like there's good stuff going on but also this is usc so it's a roller coaster and it's going up and down and up and down and up and down and the roller coaster uh has trended up since the end of november when usc hired lincoln riley and there have been a there have been a couple dips i'm not gonna lie you know the usc uh lost to shard choice the running back coach that usc picked up out of georgia tech texas earlier this week swooped in and uh, and grabbed to shard choice. It was it was kind of funny because uh, or I guess over the weekend it happened. I've lost track of time, guys. Um, uh, the first thing that sort of tipped people off was that on his social media on Saturday, I think, uh, was when he came out. Well, like his social media just got um, wiped of of everything USC, and it was like, well, what's going on there? Is he? And it was like it was funny because USC was playing Georgia Tech on in basketball, so it's like, is this some? Is this going to turn out to be some stupid just like rivalry? Like I took all my USC stuff off to to support the uh, the Yellow Jackets uh, thing, and uh, and and it turned out no, no Texas had come in and swooped for Tashar Choice to bring him to the Longhorns, and um, and that was like yeah okay that's not good, but um, still I sort of was able to sit back and go you know I I can be zen about this because I think that this administration has proven themselves at this point that they're they're taking these they're taking this seriously they're not going to mess around with their hires uh and they're gonna they'll rally and find somebody who can um who can do the best job possible and uh you know on um on sunday they kind of turned around and proved that now it wasn't with the running backs coach usc is still now in need of the running backs coach but we had word that uh, the, the the offensive line situation is is not what it seemed. So originally, USC had been reported. Bruce Feldman had reported that Brandon Jones, the offensive line coach out of Houston, would be USC's uh, new new offensive line coach, and that was going to be a good hire. That was going to be a good hire. Brandon Jones is an up and coming offensive line coach, a strong recruiter, um, familiar with Lincoln Riley and the system, and it was going to be a really solid good grab. Uh, and then on Sunday, USC threw all of that, that out the window and said, you know what, we're not just going to go with a good hire. We're going to go with a great, massive, huge, um, just like out of the, out of left field home run hire. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this is basically akin to, you know, on, on the Saturday before USC hired Lincoln Riley that weekend, we're all watching Iowa State. It was a Friday and thinking like Matt Campbell's about to take the USC job and that's going to be a really good hire for USC. And then USC turns around and says, no, we're actually getting Lincoln Riley. And you're just like, what? Um, that's what this that's what uh, what happened on Sunday when when uh, Pete Thamel reported that USC is about to hire Texas A&M offensive line coach Josh Henson. Now, you may not have heard of Josh Henson before, and that's usually, you know, the, these kinds of hires Oftentimes you don't even these guys aren't on your radar because they don't seem like they're ever available. But Josh Henson is a very good offensive line coach from Texas A&M. 
Um, he has coached under some great coaches. He's he's been the Texas A&M offensive line coach since 2019 under Jimbo Fisher. He had previously worked under um, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State as the offensive line coach. Uh, he had worked under Gary Pinkle at Missouri as the offensive line coach, and he was the recruiting coordinator for LSU under Les Miles during their 2007 title run. He was 2005 to 2008. Uh, he was the recruiting coordinator. He had also been a recruiting coordinator at Oklahoma State. So he has very, very good, uh, a very good resume, strong resume, working under good coaches, strong programs uh, with very good results. His offensive lines at Missouri were exceptional. His offensive lines at Oklahoma State and Texas A&M have been very strong. His Texas A&M uh, lines have been have been excellent. Uh, there's a reason they're competitive in the SEC. And on top of all of that, he's been a national title winning recruiting coordinator, and he is a very strong recruiter. So when you look at you know the the guys that USC could have brought in, I mean, if you wanted to, you could you could look at uh, the list of the you know highest paid offensive line coaches in the country, and. Josh Henson is on there. He was for Texas A&M. He was 12th, making $600,000 a year. Um he's going to get a raise to come to USC, but that's that's the the group of of people that we're talking about for USC to go poach. You don't go grab one of those guys in the in the list which I pulled from Football Football Scoop uh has the the list of the top 15 highest paid off, uh, offensive line coaches. Um these these are the cream of the crop. Like you don't get paid this much. You got Kyle Flood at Texas, Matt Luke at Georgia, Bill Bedenboe from Oklahoma, uh, Doug Marone at Alabama, uh, Glenn Allerby from Tennessee, James Craig at LSU, uh, Justin Fry at UCLA, uh, who's also got a bunch of other titles, like the Michigan State offensive line coach, Ohio State's offensive line coach, Clemson's offensive line coach. All those dudes are way up there, and Josh Henson is up there for a reason. And his track record is just really, really strong. This is a big boy hire going in and stealing an offensive line coach out from under Jimbo Fisher. That is saying something. That is a huge statement of intent for your offensive line. Uh, he he is a guy that uh, that just has what what USC needs to immediately turn this thing around because. He has recruiting cachet. He's you look at his offensive line on on 247sports.com, you look at his the list of players that he's recruited. Uh we're looking at, you know, top 200 four-star offensive linemen across the board. And he's also got some tight ends in there that he's recruited, some safeties and some defensive players, wide receivers. He's versatile. He's a he's a a recruiter first and foremost, but he can recruit the big boys and uh and the number one just the first thing I want to know whenever USC makes a hire, obviously, is what do the people leaving say? And what what do the people that he's leaving say? And immediately the Texas A&M boards, the Texas A&M people on Twitter, everyone was freaking out because they're like, what the hell? They were not happy to see him go. Now, you'll see the same narrative that the Oklahoma people were saying about Lincoln Riley, that he actually sucked and we're better off without him kind of thing, which is just part of the grieving process. That's it. But like the initial reaction was they didn't want him to go. And that is always a big, big, big plus uh, in terms of this was not a guy on the verge of getting fired at Texas A&M. This is, A&M, this is a guy that was helping them build up to potentially challenge Alabama in the SEC. 
and now he's going to come to USC and uh, and and make the difference. So um, one thing that just to prove the point uh, in uh, in 2020, his offensive line at Texas A&M, uh, the Aggies were the. This is from his bio on Texas A&M's uh, website. The Aggies were the first team to lead the SEC in sacks allowed, tackles for loss allowed, and yards per carry in 10 years. A&M ranked in the top five nationally in sacks and tackles for loss allowed throughout the season. The dominant work by the offensive line helped the Aggies boast a 9-1 record, including the program's first New Year's Six Bowl appearance and a top five ranking by the end of the season. Um, yeah, he's he's done it. And like the, the, the real plus side here is that he did that at Texas A&M. He also... Had a uh, did a really good job with the offensive line at Oklahoma State, which is going to be more akin to the offense that uh, the USC is going to be running um, with Lincoln Riley, and he had that uh, that offense set up uh, the the years that he was there. They had Mason Rudolph, they had James Washington and and Marcel Aitman, and Justice Hill as a thousand yard rusher. So this is a guy who knows exactly what he's doing. And you couldn't have, short of getting Bill Beanbow, which clearly USC was not able to do, uh, you go out and get the next best thing. And that's, I think that's Josh Henson at this point. So hell of a hire by USC, really exciting hire by USC. More proof that if you're still doubting this administration, if you're still doubting the people that are in charge of this, of the, of, of the USC program at this point, like it's time to start buying in. Now, I'm not saying you have to be blind loyalty it's not like no matter what happens that it's it's this is a good thing. Like it's not a good thing that USC lost to Shard Choice. Like I'm not saying that kind of thing. Bad things will happen. Um, setbacks will happen. It's how you respond to those setbacks. USC had a setback not being able to convince Bill Biedenboe to come along with Lincoln Riley. What do you do next? What do you turn around and then do you settle or do you go swing for another big name? And And that's what USC did. And one of the things that I really like is the idea of that initial Brandon Jones reporting, which there were sort of murmuring, murmurings like, is this is this actually a done deal? And it wasn't a done deal, but not for the wrong reason. Like the reason that wasn't a done deal is because USC had a bigger fish on the line. And the higher the way that these guys are are running the show at USC now, it feels like they have plan A, B, C, D, E, and F, and they're all good plans. And that's one of the things that Brandon Sosson talked about uh, during the Lincoln Riley hiring press conference was, you know, having all your ducks in a, in a row and, and that being able to lead uh, your decision-making process to the best outcome for you. And I think that's what, what we're seeing over and over and over again. We're seeing that the process that USC is, is using right now leads to success. And the process isn't always going to work Sometimes you're going to strike out, but that's not that's not a bad thing so long as you continue to let your process roll and and make sure that if something goes sideways that you have a plan in place to slide in and that you're serious about getting somebody that that's good because again, if you you strike out on Bill Beedenbow, okay, that sucks. Move on. Um you're going for Josh Henson. If you had if you had struck out on Josh Henson, well there you go with Brandon Jones. Like I think that you have a setup here uh, that uh, that that clearly shows that they're in control, that Lincoln Riley is in control, that Mike Bone is in control, Brandon Sosa is in control. Uh, the 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 thing that they talked about over and over and over and over again on the at the Lincoln Riley press conference when they introduced him was alignment, 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 alignment. 
I was reading an, an article um, from ESPN from uh, Paolo Ugetti on Lincoln Riley and the and the USC sort of uh, growing confidence uh, around what he's bringing to USC. And there again was that word alignment, like that that's the key, key thing is to to be aligned. And I think that that's what we're seeing is that when you have, you know, a complex, a, running a program is a complex thing from top to bottom. There's a lot going on administratively from the football side of things, from the player side of things, recruiting, equipment, uh, you know, the, the field, everything going on at the Coliseum, everything, the whole thing is a complex web of things that are interacting and some things matter less and some things matter more, but they're all sort of interchanging and interwinding and everything like that. And it's, it's, you think of it like clockwork, you need all of those little pieces to be coming together and all operating smoothly for your, for your clock or your engine or whatever, you know, analogy that you want to throw in there uh, for them to all work together. And that's the alignment that USC is talking about. So often in the past, alignment has been off. You know, you've had people over here and over there and left and right and down and bottom and everything who were just sort of all doing their own thing. And you just, it's it's like clanking. That's like, okay, well, what does USC actually want to do then? And you get the say like, this guy wants to do this, but this wants to do that and that, not, not, and and it's just, it's, it's confusing. And sometimes it'll win out, but not because like Mike Garrett hiring Pete Carroll won out because he just happened to strike that. To, you know, I could stand in front of a, a baseball, in front of a a pitch machine, uh, at the at my you know local uh, batting cages, and close my eyes and just swing at a ninety mile an hour fastball, and I might hit one once by it by pure accident. I could I could possibly hit, and it might take me a million swings, but like eventually I will hit it, but not on purpose. And so one of the things that. I like about what USC is doing it now is it feels like each one of these moves is on purpose and it's not just we're just blindly throwing things around. It's like everyone is singing on the same tune. All of the clock pieces are all ticking over together. The engine is well fueled and, and, and oiled and everything like that. Like whatever analogy you need to use in your mind to sort of like create a, a sense of Zen calm, like the people in charge know what they're doing. Like that's the analogy. Like it, it just competence. There's competence oozing out of USC right now. And I'm not sure I know how to like always process that because I wake up in the morning and think to myself, wow, uh, USC has Lincoln Riley as the head coach. That's pretty cool. And then I go to sleep to the news that USC just made a hell of an offensive line hire with, with Josh Henson and USC still needs to hire a running backs coach, but you know what? I, at this point, have to believe that they know what they're doing when it comes to to hiring a running backs coach. So let's ride. Let's roll. Let's see how this goes. Like, I'm not going to, like, cringe every time I see a new report coming out, because if it's bad news for USC, then, you know, it's unfortunate. But I also don't have to worry that, like, every bad piece of news is just part of a growing snowball of more bad news. Like, the snowball right now is very much uh, trending towards the idea of the, the, the growth, the positive snowball. Uh, so I've thrown so many analogies out there for you guys. Uh, apologies for it getting a little, a little wacky, but that's just how I'm feeling. It's just, it's a really, really nice feeling to know that, uh, this is not a, uh, a dumpster fire right now. Like it's just, it just feels very, very nice to, to be part of. Um, 
I will liken it to, and you know, I'm not doing talk about soccer. I will liken it to um, being a Liverpool fan. And and you guys all have to be sports fans. You're sports fans, right? There's other sports that you follow, right? Think about the team that you have that has the best run, you know, to, that you're a fan of. And for me, uh, you know, Liverpool went through a period uh, during the first, you know, few years of probably first 10 years of my fandom with Liverpool, where the ownership was bad and the managerial stuff was not great. And, uh, you know, they hired a, a, a good manager or two, but like the good manager didn't, you know, you, they had Rafa Benitez. He's a good manager, but then the manage the ownership was a, was gone to hell and they hired a bad, bad manager and Roy Hodgson that didn't fit the culture or anything like that. And so that all went to hell. And then they hired Kenny Dalglish, who was, uh, knows the club inside and out, but just was past the time when he could be a competent manager and, and the owners, the owners were new and still sort of figuring themselves out and finding their feet in the water. And then they hire Brendan Rogers and he's kind of good, sort of good, but like, is he good enough kind of thing? And there's this just whole wave of like uncertainty back and forth. You never know, like, is this good or is this bad or could this be good, but actually it's bad, but all, all this kind of stuff. And then Liverpool make the ultimate move to say, you know what? No, we're going to go out and get the perfect manager, perfect manager for us. And that's Jurgen Klopp. And Jurgen Klopp, in order to get Jurgen Klopp, we have to have a really strong director of, of, uh, of basic football operations and, and all of these, like the, in order to get Jurgen Klopp on board, you have to get your entire, you have to get all your shit together. Like somebody as good as Jurgen Klopp is as a manager doesn't come to you unless you have all of your shit together. And that's what I see right now with what USC is. And, and by the way, Liverpool has gone on to win the Premier League, the Champions League. They're one of the most uh, successful clubs of the last few years. And it's all because of that one decision to go out and get Jurgen Klopp because you in instantly legitimize everything about your operation. And what I see from USC right now is they've got their Lincoln Riley, their, their Jurgen Klopp, the guy who's going to legitimize the whole operation. Now let's all swing it all together and everybody get on the same page. And that was something that Jurgen Klopp demanded at Liverpool. And it feels like something that Lincoln Riley is demanding at USC. And even better than that is that Lincoln Riley wouldn't have come to USC if he didn't feel like he was already aligned. Again, that word alignment with Mike Bone, Brandon Sosna, Carol Fulton, everybody that was that was uh, trying to step to the same to the same tune at USC, and each one of these new examples um, is is a sign that everyone is just everyone gets it. They get it. They're gonna make the the moves that are best for uh, the program. And I wanted to highlight that ESPN article from uh, from Paolo Ugetti because. There was something specific to it. So there was a specific line. I'd, I'd encourage you to read it because it's a good insight into just like the positivity around the program, bringing Riley in and, and the different feel that people have around USC now and the enthusiasm and the optimism and all this kind of stuff. But one of the things that I really that I really liked is um, him. They talked about how uh, the the sort of process of getting Lincoln Riley in and also getting him up to speed and also implementing who Lincoln Riley is as a head coach. And one of the things they highlight is Lincoln Riley as a head coach is all about quality over quantity. So when um, when Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma, 
one of the things that was noted about his scholarship offers, like there were no wasted scholarship offers. If you're a quarterback, you don't get a scholarship offer unless you're really worth it. Like I think I saw somebody somewhere in some article about how Bryce Young didn't immediately get a scholarship offer from Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. Um, Malachi Nelson, I think, didn't get immediately get a scholarship offer from Oklahoma. He met with Lincoln Lincoln Riley, and he continued Riley continued to do study you know study the tape and everything like that on him before then later deciding no what I'm I can win a national title with you, and um I, it sort of creates this this idea that if you're getting an offer from Lincoln Riley, it's because he genuinely thinks that you are going to help him win football games, and there's no debating that. Um, that, that it's not, he doesn't take them lightly. And I think that we're going to see, um, the coaching hires that they're not going to take lightly who they bring in because they could have settled for a lot of different people after Bill Biedenboe. They could have, they could have focused 100%. We just need an offensive line coach now because early signing day is coming up and we have to get it done. And boom, there's an offensive line coach announced. Boom. Instead, they waited until they could find the right guy and they're bringing in uh, Henson. Um, you see this with what Lincoln Riley talked about during his signing day press conference, which was all about the idea of we're going to be very selective instead of just scattergun throwing out scholarship offers for random people to fill bodies. We are going to focus in on the guys who we really think are going to help the program and then we'll go from there. And so we're going to have a smaller recruiting class, but that's because we're going to be discerning about who we bring in. And the other thing that we've also seen is the idea of the the roster turnover, which we've talked about, the idea that there will be up to, you know, 30, 35, 30 uh, roster spots that will have been turned over by the time the next season starts. And part of that was we saw a wave of guys entering the transfer portal. And in this article, a source to, to ESPN said, you know, the guys who just left in the transfer portal, those guys are the guys who weren't that the, 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 they were told to look elsewhere, essentially. And um, this paragraph, this line from this uh, this article, I think, perfectly um, encapsulates how all of these things sort of work in concert and how when you look at the decisions that USC is making, what they will make, all of the things that go into making a strong program this is like this is the money the money paragraph to me um on the usc side the early morning plane ride to pick up riley in oklahoma city became both a celebration and a war room usc's personal personnel staff had been preparing for this moment for months polishing a transition plan and accumulating information on the current roster and program on countless excel sheets to present to the new head coach but once he and his staff heard riley was the hire they were compelled to double check everything and fine tune the plan. So this is this is one of the this is one of sort of the nuggets of information that I hadn't necessarily heard before and that I think is is really cool because USC made a great hire in Lincoln Riley and Lincoln Riley is going to be the face of this program. Lincoln Riley is going to be the guy that that makes it go or not go. And basically USC has put all their eggs in the Lincoln Riley Riley basket. But I love this idea that they and and I think uh, Brandon Sosna brought this up too during the the Lincoln Riley um, press conference when the, the introduction press conference, the idea that they had they had a transition team that they were getting all of that like what have they been doing for the past few months before they hired Lincoln Riley? It wasn't just searching for the new head coach; it was getting all of the ducks in a row so that the new head coach could step right in and have as much information as possible to figure out how do we then go forward. 
and this idea that they had a transition plan with accumulating with with information on the current roster in Excel spreadsheets to hand to Lincoln Riley tells me so much about the process that went into this hire and making sure that this hire is going to succeed. They aren't content with just we're hiring Lincoln Riley. Lincoln, go do your thing. It's all good. It's we're hiring Lincoln Riley. We're going to set him up to succeed in every single fashion that we can possibly conceive of that this is going to have him succeed. So we're going to have a rundown of the. We're not even going to wait until the new head coach is hired and let him do all the hard lift, the heavy lifting about who he does and doesn't want to keep or who does or doesn't have value on this roster, who does or doesn't fit the culture that they want to build or whatever. To me, this sounds like they already had dossiers on half of the on half of the people like like, you know, and and you're retaining somebody like Dante Williams, who did not do a great job as USC's interim head coach. But at the same time, I'm more I'm, I'm more and more comfortable with the idea of keeping him on staff aside from the um, aside from the, the the recruiting stuff, which is an obvious reason to keep him on staff. But also because if anyone's going to know what went wrong this year and with the culture, it's going to have to be him. Like now you have Dante Williams who can literally sit back and say like, you know what? These are the dudes that didn't play. These are the dudes who weren't, who weren't here for it. These are the dudes who didn't run through a wall for me. And there could be a million reasons why, but like those are things that the new head coach needs to know. And I think that there, there's something that, of value there in terms of overturning the culture from the, from the previous regime. Dante Williams was barely part of the previous regime He's a fresh pair of eyes. Maybe he's also part of that plan to, uh, you know, to to make this all to 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 make this all work, to have everything in 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 order, and to and to move forward, knowing that that the people who stay on this roster are staying because they are committed, they are they are um, on board, they have buy in, everything like that, and the people who leave wish them well, absolutely wish them well. But if they're not at USC in 2022, there's a reason for that. It's not just for no reason. Uh, so it's extremely exciting. And this turned into like a half hour rant that I totally didn't intend it to be, but this is me. So y'all know how I, how I roll. Um, but, uh, but either way, I mean, how awesome, how awesome is this? It's pretty freaking awesome to be able to sit here for 30 minutes and talk about like the things that I love that USC is doing. Sweet. Uh, let's just stay on, on track with, with USC football and talk about the 2022 schedule that was dropped. Um, we ran out of time in the last episode to talk. So maybe Michael has, might have some thoughts on this. Um, so when we, next time we do an episode with, with Michael and I, we maybe will touch some base on, on some of the schedule stuff as well. But for now, we can, um, you know, look at, at the schedule that was uh, that was just put out for USC for 2022. Okay, let's look take a look at the 2022 USC football schedule, which was released uh, at the end of last week, and is basically a redux of this past season when it's a very favorable schedule, like very favorable. Uh, is it, is it uh, super easy? No, there's, there's some, there's some tough weeks in there for sure, but it's extremely favorable when you, uh, when you run through it. I think Michael put on Twitter that like, this is, if you're USC's administrators and you're putting together a schedule, an ideal schedule for USC, like this is it basically, uh, in terms of just uh, ability to get through this and, and, and have a positive season. So USC opens the season on September 3rd against Rice. 
Rice uh, should be a perfect uh, opening game for Lincoln Riley to get his feet, re- his feet wet, and we'll sort of see what the uh, what the new Trojans look like. Um, not the easiest week two never is when USC gets to uh, go to Stanford September 10th at Stanford. Uh, Stanford obviously beat the crap out of USC this past year, so there will be some revenge factor here. Uh, traveling up to to Stanford uh, has not gone well for USC each time they've you know every time they've done it. So there's a little bit of a test. Stanford is not a juggernaut either, uh, but they do have their quarterback and they do have David Shaw, so you can't take them lightly. Uh, but still got to think that USC will be in uh, in good position in, in what could be a little bit of 50-50 game, not knowing exactly how long it's going to take Lincoln Riley to get his offense in place, how long it's going to take Alex Grinch to get his defense in place. But that's going to be a very interesting week to test. Then on September th- 17th, we got uh, Fresno State at the Coliseum. So Fresno State will not be led by Kalen DeBoer. Uh, they uh, lost Kalen DeBoer to Washington as their head coach. So they brought in, I believe, the Jeff Tedford hires official. I, I think it's official, but Jeff Tedford will be there. And uh, Jake Hayner, uh, the uh, RoboQB Superman who beat uh, UCLA this past season, will still be at Fresno State. So yeah, another test, but it's at home early in the season. This is a good opening stretch to see what USC is made of. Uh, winnable. All of those are there. There are no unwinnable games in the opening stretch of this uh, of this season. But that's a uh, that those will be of intriguing. Actually, it's an intriguing September all around. You got Rice, which should be an easy win. Stanford, which you just can't, you just don't know because Stanford is Stanford. Fresno State won't be a pushover. And then you got to go to Oregon State September twenty fourth at Corvallis. Uh, never like traveling to Corvallis, uh, but is that a Pete Carroll thing? Was it a Pete Carroll thing? Will it be a, a, a thing thing? I don't know. Uh, either way, it's a September game in at Oregon State. That's another test, but not not a, a game that you look at and say, like, USC couldn't possibly win that game. October 1st, home against Arizona State. Uh, they will have Jaden Daniels back, but that's still an Arizona State team that just doesn't strike fear into my heart. Uh, they have had the better of USC over the past couple of years, but also it felt like USC had the better of USC over the past couple of years. So not again, these are going to be tests, but they shouldn't be like, these are the kind of games where you want to go in them and be competitive. And if it's just too early still, and you lose to Oregon state on the road or you lose to Stanford on the road, you live with that. But these are opportunities I think for USC to go through and handle these teams. Um, stay at home for October 8th against Washington State. Another weird game because who the hell knows what Washington State is. And then you finally hit the really, really tough game October 15th at Utah. Uh, just going to Rice-Eccles with Utah being what they are right now. Kyle Whittingham uh, still being the cream of the crop in the Pac-12. Uh, that one will be fascinating because uh, by then we'll have a better sense of what this team actually, what this 2022 team will actually be. That team could be six and zero going into that Utah game. Could be three and three going into that Utah game. You don't really know. But the Utah game at Rice Eccles, uh, I think you sort of pencil that one in as as a loss more so than any other one. But also you just want to see how competitive can USC be here. How how much have they grown over the first six weeks of the season? Then they get a bye. 
and that bye week goes into October 29th at Arizona. Um, Arizona is still a, you know, Jedfish is doing good things with that Arizona program, but they're still a team that's, uh, that's got a long way to go. So USC should be able to win that game coming out of the bye week. They're home to Cal on November 5th and then home to Colorado on November 11th. Again, no juggernauts going on here. Um, not pushovers for sure, because USC has lost to half of these teams uh, for, for this year, but certainly no juggernauts. USC is on November 19th at UCLA, which is staying home, and then hosting Notre Dame November 26th. So the entire month of November next year, USC is in Los Angeles. That is very fortunate. Um, in fact, there's very little travel at all outside of the the bye week after the Utah game. You know, a uh, quick jaunt over to Temp out of Tucson for Arizona is, is not that bad. Uh, and then you get all home games uh, or, you know, home games or or at the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles for November. So, again, you know, this is practically the same schedule in terms of opponents that USC played this year. Uh, so USC went four and eight against the majority of these teams. The only two teams that uh, are different, Fresno State and Rice. So it can certainly get worse. Uh, it, it could it could be. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, a, a, a tough season where USC still doesn't have their feet under him. But the way it works out, there are no there are no back to back road games. The only one there is a back to back road. There's a bye week in between, so no back to back road games. The Colorado game is on a Friday, but it's before the UCLA game, so you're giving yourself extra rest for UCLA, and it's after the Cal game, so it's not like you're playing a juggernaut team before that Friday game on short rest against Colorado, which I, you know, still has not won at the Coliseum. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I think the only two games that I put down is as losses straight off the bat are, are Utah and Notre Dame. That's not to say that I think USC will go 10 and two. I do not think USC will go 10 and two, but the games are not like look through it and there's four losses just straight off the bat. Uh, I think that a lot of these are toss-ups. I think the most of these are toss-ups, and it, and it will depend on, you know, who is USC's quarterback? Who is USC's running back? What does USC's defensive line look like? Who are USC's linebackers? Who are USC's... Qu- I do not know. I do not know what USC's too, de- too deep for next season is going to be. I, I could even barely try to guess it. Uh, we don't know who's leaving still. We don't know who's coming in still. The recruiting class is far from done. The uh, the 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 transfers haven't even really begun. So there's still a whole lot to work out with this team. But you t- but when you when I look at the coaching staff that USC currently has, I feel I feel good about the coaching staff and the teams and the the setups that you that that they're going to be facing. Let's just run it down through coaching staff. Take USC's over Rice. Um, take USC's over Stanford. Take USC's over Fresno State. Take USC's over Oregon State. Take USC's over Arizona State. Take USC's over Washington State. I'm going to give a nod to Utah. Kyle Whittingham is established. Good coach. Not going to challenge him. USC over Arizona. USC over Cal. USC over Colorado. I'll say USC over UCLA. No offense, Chip Kelly. And uh, Notre Dame, USC over Marcus Freeman, first time head coach. We don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Does USC have the best head coach and staff of anybody on their schedule? Um, I think USC is a top three at the very least, and you have debates, and I could easily debate 
and and make the argument for Lincoln Riley at the top of that heap. So where does that USC that that puts USC in a pretty darn good spot? Like that's a that's that's not a bad spot to be in. Uh, as Michael wrote down on the on the notes that I'm just seeing here, that's seven home games in this schedule. No weekday road games, no back-to-back road games, no cold weather trips, no Oregon, no Washington, and the entire month of November at home in LA. So it's all coming up USC in terms of the uh, the football schedule. So that's excellent. Uh, good to see. And um, yeah, the, the 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 football team is on the rise. Uh, the basketball team is also on the rise. I'm going to spare a quick minute for USC basketball. 12 and 0 USC basketball ranked number eight in the country. If you aren't on the USC basketball train, um, get on it because they are rolling. Unfortunately, they are also stopped for the moment because of COVID. They had to cancel Tuesday's game against Oklahoma State because of COVID. Cross your fingers, cross, cross, cross your fingers and hope that they don't get in the COVID doesn't get in the way of the Arizona's uh, ASU and Arizona games. Cause those were going to be so much fun to see USC prove themselves in those games. Uh, we'll see how it goes. COVID as coming to you right now, <laughs> COVID does not like to cooperate with the convenience of life. So there's that, but uh, yeah, we'll see USC basketball doing a hell of a hell of a job. Isaiah Mobley really, really, really glad he came back. Boogie, Boogie Ellis is, is wonderful. And uh, Drew Peterson, those guys, really making it making it worth watching them. So if you haven't started tuning into USC basketball, I think it's time to start tuning into USC basketball, guys. Like I'm straight up enjoying watching USC basketball and it's not you not something that I'm used to. Like USC basketball and USC football both being this positive are just kind of trippy. Just a little bit trippy. Um yeah. Uh, also just as a, a quick news nugget to throw in there. Looks like Keaton Slow is to pit, just like we uh, predicted. There were some rumblings. There were some very funny rumblings uh, about Keaton being pursued by Notre Dame. And that would have been pretty funny. But uh, but it looks like it's going to be Pitt. So uh, good luck to Keaton at Pitt if that's ultimately where he decides to go. Okay, so in the uh, mailbag, we have a couple of voicemails, which I don't have the voicemail. Uh, I don't have the voicemails on me, so we'll have to save those. Sorry. Uh, Santa Clarita Dave and sorry Michael and I Michael in Iowa your voicemails are in the queue just uh not at this exact moment for this exact exact episode um but I will get to a couple slack messages we got so Josh in Buckeye country asks who from this past season's roster will be an impact player in Lincoln Riley's system uh I think you gotta look at um someone like Jackson Dart if that's a cop-out um I think that you you can look at any of the wide pick a, pick a wide receiver. I think Gary Bryant Jr. could find new life in this uh, in this scheme. Uh, Taj Washington could find new life life in this scheme. Uh, basically, anybody on defense, anybody on defense, uh, impact player. I mean, if you really want to go, you look at like um, Michael Trigg is like the Drake London two point kind of guy. Yeah, just get really excited about USC's offense is 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 basically what uh, what you need to think about from Lincoln Riley's system. A uh, Slack message from Pac-12 Northwest Steve. Uh, what is Brandon Peely's status? Does he have any remaining eligibility? I believe that he still has eligibility. I don't know that I've seen anything about him coming back. Uh, it's been a while for him. The injuries have been a problem, but he will have gotten the 
eligibility from the COVID season. And he will have been, I think, eligible for a medical redshirt. So I am operating as though he will be eligible to return for 2023. Does he? That's the bigger question. That's that's something that he'll have to answer down the line. And also that USC's new coaches will have to answer if they, if they have a place for him, if they see a place for him. Um, and if not, you know, hopefully he can find somewhere else to uh, go continue his career or continue uh, you know, to move on and, and, and succeed in something other than sports. We'll see what goes on with Brandon Peely, but uh, I believe that he is uh, will still have some eligibility left. It's hard to say with eligibility, guys. It's just, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess with eligibility, figuring this stuff out. And the transfer portal doesn't help in terms of figuring all of this out. So, so yeah, that's, that's going to do it for me in this episode. Uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, we will be back. Uh, may, I'm not going to make any promises. I'm not going to make any promises because I don't know what our uh, condition will continue to be like for the, this week. And also Christmas is coming up at the end of the week. So we'll we'll play this by ear as we make it through the festive period. But thank you guys for, as always, uh, sticking around and listening and putting up with 45 minutes of me rambling on. Uh, with with whatever my my voice sounds very strange to me i'm sure it sounds strange in the recording uh this is this is extremely congested alicia with a uh a, a, a tickle in in the throat uh going on so yeah just uh <laughs> be safe out there folks take precautions uh, also just pray that you have a better immune system than i seem to have because my immune system is proving not so great um yeah all right that's gonna do it for me thanks again guys catch you later see ya say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill